0: welcome to the scuffed podcast i'm adam bells in minneapolis with me is greg velasquez in des moines we talk about u.s men's soccer thanks for downloading this episode of scuffed happy to be back in the saddle at global headquarters greg
1: how are you i'm all right bells i'm still recovering from the christian pulisic masterclass uh, and the and the breathless uh, last day of the championship. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't. I actually didn't pay much attention to the championship. I know there was. A, I saw the word Brentford come across the transom <laughs> a few times. Oh
1: so, uh, yeah. Oddly, I I had I was not invested in that at all, but I was very invested in this in the sagas at the at the relegation lines. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Wigan,
0: Wigan, they're they're up, right? They're staying up. No,
1: Wigan are down. Luton Town stay up. So okay. uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers with the miraculous escape that he played. A pretty large part in uh, Wigan unfortunately not able to uh, get out from under their 12 point deduction oh boy investigators are like trying to break into a
0: room at in Macau as we speak <laughs> so much intrigue uh, yeah but that Pulisic masterclass let's talk about that a little bit is he good
1: <laughs> I don't know once they add Werner and have arts I feel like it's probably time for him to go he'll be buried buried <laughs> in that depth chart Oh man, it's so fun to watch him
0: play right now, isn't it? It's like uh, I've never experienced this before.
1: It was amazing. It. Uh, I I watched those highlights over and over again. Uh, so thank you to who put that comp out. A lot of people. Most of the okay. people we don't know.
0: <laughs> Waki did. Waki
1: did the 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 local one. So. Uh, my favorite my favorite thing about the Pool highlights is the energy after his assist and his goal did you notice like he he gets the assist and before the balls even cross the line he is just wheeled around and is chugging like yeah. hustling right back to midfield he looks like a u-13 player who just finished a rep in a in a training exercise <laughs> did true. the same thing after his goal yeah. smashes the ball top bin and just immediately is running back to midfield uh ready for the next rep uh it's fun man it's fun watching him
0: he was uh, after the goal he was throwing off some salt though he was saying (laughs) he he was saying to the world you can't stop me you can't stop me let's go um yeah both both wonderful soccer plays and uh boy it's good to be it's good to be a christian pulisic fan these days for sure so uh, to what we're gonna talk about today is a little more big picture. You had a good tweet, I thought, about Berhalter's shape in possession in the February friendly against Costa Rica. And we thought we should kinda look at the player pool with that template in mind. So first of all, what did you see in that game that was different from the previous 18 matches under Burhalter?
1: So for me, the biggest differences in that game were our uh, were our roles in possession. Uh, gone were the sort of famous eight ten hybrid roles for the central midfielders, uh, the ones that McKennie and Roldan have sort of been stuck in. Right. Uh, Pulisic played a little bit of that in the Gold Cup last summer, um, but I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. That's how that's how prevalent they were uh, in in Berhalter's first 17 or 18 games, uh, and that wasn't really the, that wasn't there at all in the Costa Rica friendly. So, just uh, to
0: be just to be clear on what you're talking about, the eight the the hybrid eight tens would be. Of the three central midfielders, they'd be the two most forward ones, and and what would you describe their role as in those games?
1: So they they created like a, along with, so it, it kind of gets a little complicated, but um, his shape tended to create an attack, create uh, one striker with four players underneath that striker. Yeah, uh, and so what you usually had was these two eight ten type center mids. Uh, who would play sort of directly under the striker. And then you might have one winger, like an Areola, uh, and one, like right the right back would then filter up on the side, or you'd have another winger. So it might be like Areola and Morris would be your two wingers. It was Areola and Boyd and Areola and Morris during the Gold Cup. So you had your two wingers, and then you had your two sort of center mids forming that line of four under the striker. Yeah.
0: And it as a result, it put... West McKenney and Christian Roldan in the position of being
1: tens playmakers in possession, yeah, like dual tens during during possession, okay. And then when we lose the ball, one of those tens would actually play as like a forward in a four four two to defend. And the other one would sag back alongside usually Michael Bradley as a two man center mid in a, in that four four two
0: the more the more we're talking about it, the more I'm like, what the heck were we doing? <laughs>
1: So so yeah, so he's really simplified it and it makes me think about how uh, man, like way back when in, in March or April of last year, when you were like, should we just chuck this whole silly complicated stuff and run a, a vanilla 433 the way that Tab Ramos is doing with the U-20s? Hmm. Uh and it kind of starts to feel like that's what's happening here.
0: So so how how explain how it's working? Like what's how did it work in against Costa Rica?
1: So in that in that Costa Rica game, what you had was you had Uh, instead of the 8-10 hybrids, you had more of like a winger 10 hybrid where both Yuli, Yanez, and Paul Ariola, Yuli on the left, Ariola on the right, would sort of slide central, and they would play underneath Jesus Ferreira uh, Mm -hmm. as like 10s in possession, and Reggie Cannon and Sam Vines, the right and left backs, would become more traditional modern fullbacks if that if that phrase can make sense. Yeah, uh, and and they would they would be in charge of advancing up the wings and providing width and attack. And it was this symmetrical uh, fullback look that we weren't getting too often uh, in in the 2019 Burhalter days. Right, and it would
0: and that allows um, so that allows the the two central midfielders to be to play a little deeper and actually be more. Sort of classic box-to-box
1: midfielders, right? Yeah, that's that's the knock-on effect for the Sebastian Legette and Brendan Harrison roles. So they they essentially work as two center mids, and and so they're working behind, uh, uh, sort of underneath those wingers who have now pinched in, um, and then you have Jackson Ewell in that game who would sit even deeper, often dropping into the into the uh, line with the center backs. Yeah. But you still end up the the sort of overall shape isn't that far off from what Berhalter has done in the past. It's just a huge shift in the roles. Like, uh, you still end up with a line of four attackers underneath the forward. Uh, It's just now that it's two fullbacks wide and the two wingers central. Um, So you still have that four attacking attacker band underneath Jesus Ferreira as sort of, I I don't think it's really fair to say he's a false nine, but it's it's not far off. Yeah, yeah. And when you look at the touch map, you see he had very few touches in the box Whereas Yanes and Ariola uh, had a ton of touches, sort of even inside the six-yard box.
0: Would you call them um, wide forwards in that role, or like what's the? Maybe it doesn't matter what you call
1: them. That much. I think I used to see. I think I used to see like inside winger, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that was something that a lot of people were throwing around when, when even back in like 2018. Uh, when we were trying to figure out who was going to be our number ten, and I think a lot of people even then were saying Pulisic could function as like an inside winger, uh, who could be nominally a winger but slide in uh, to try to collect the balls as often as possible. And we are seeing a ton of that with him at Chelsea right I now. Mean, that's exactly what he is. Yeah,
0: wouldn't you say? That's like pretty much exactly what he's doing. I mean, he does he does end up getting the ball wide some, but he he ends up getting the ball in that like almost in zone fourteen
1: channel a lot constantly constantly gets to slide in uh in in that situation he's often tracked by uh an outside back uh rather than being picked up by a holding mid who would be there to sort of destroy any any activity from a number 10 so that outside back is sometimes tracking him from the outside so he's able to collect the ball and then cut in right away we may have talked about this already on on another episode but Uh, I think that's a huge deal for him. And and one of the ways that he's really successful is because that pressure is now coming from the outside. He's lethal when he can collect it and in one fluid motion uh, turn into the center of the field and already be moving at speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's so it's it is so much his wheelhouse to come in on his right foot and just uh, and just go at people. Um, So any anything else to say about the about what we saw against Costa Rica? On a, from a technical standpoint,
1: uh, I mean, really, just that I think it worked. I think it was a. I think it's a uh, very viable way of setting up a team. I don't think there's anything terribly complicated about it, and I think it it maps really well to uh, the player pool we have.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot too. It's. Uh, I mean, the one position where we I'm not sure we have a clear front runner is at left back. I, I know you're probably going to say Anthony Robinson is that guy, but. <laughs> Um, I'm not quite as sold on him as you, but like, but Dest coming up the right, or even Dest coming up the left with Cannon on the right, um, is, and then you have Reyna and Pulisic who are both really suited for that inside winger role. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It also it also allows Adams and McKinney to, I think, do a job that they're more comfortable with, which is further back in the field.
1: Yeah, we, you know, we that left back is is still sort of in my mind the big question mark. Uh, we've talked about this a lot, in the last competitive game for Greg Berhalter, Tim Ream was slotted as our left back with Dest on the right. That doesn't seem like it would fit. You know, I don't think you would be able to function this way with Tim Ream as your left back. But I don't think that that's necessarily what Greg Berhalter would do. I don't think he would stick with that, even though that was his last full-strength competitive lineup. Uh, For me, it's something where he had minimal preparation time Mm -hmm. uh and so i think he was just going with something that he was safe that felt safe and comfortable given that that canada second leg was a de facto knockout game
0: yeah yeah i mean that was going to be my next question is given he played tim ream a stay-at-home left back in that game in november how confident can
1: we be that he won't go back to that in the future i I don't think he will i think uh, given given what we saw in that Costa Rica game, I don't think Burhalter is one to just trot out a, a one-off lineup. Uh, in 2019, the the lineup he used in, in the January camp, even without his key players, was the same lineup that he used in March, the same tactical setup he used in March. Yeah. And then it seemed like it was going to be the same tactical setup in the Gold Cup uh, until Tyler Adams had to pull out with injury. So I think he's he's not just doing a one-off here. I think he's, he's setting up for what he th- wants to do in the next meaningful contests. Now I've tried to get in his head before and I've been wrong quite a bit, but, <laughs> but, but you combine, you combine that performance against Costa Rica with a lot of comments that he has been making in, in, in pretty much every interview he's given recently. Uh, and it really starts to line up. Yeah. The,
0: the, t- what comments in
1: particular are you thinking of? So he's talked a lot in a lot of separate interviews about, uh, playing central midfielders who will press behind and underneath that high attacking line. Uh, and it's the, that's the same job that, that legit and Aronson sort of had was they weren't the, they weren't the attacking line. They were underneath it and they were just supposed to be working their socks off to, uh, you know, defensively to, to Harry and, and chase down whatever long switches Costa Rica try to make. Uh, but offensively, you know, I, I think that he's basically saying, this will be the role of the center mids. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the and I get I'm excited about it. So like what do we how much credit do we give Burhalter for this for I mean coming to this I'm, conclusion.
1: <laughs> I'm willing to say this is this is a a very good conclusion to come to. I feel like we could have maybe come to this conclusion uh in March of 2019. Yeah. And have been calling calling people up and trying to refine this since then, uh, and and we can get into a little bit as we talk about which players might fit. But uh, I don't I don't know if it's if you should if we should read it as an admission that his old setup just wasn't working, wasn't a good fit, wasn't effective, uh, or if he's going to surprise us all and and sort of surprise me at least, and either blend this with his old way or. Or have this just be an experiment, but really stick with his base that he ran in 2019.
0: I wonder. I wonder if this isn't just a, an example of the old, you know, soccer commentary trope. He over, he overthought it. He overcomplicated it. You know,
1: that's what I just feel like they say that a lot in England, at least. Um well, my, my criticism has almost always been that uh, he didn't commit to it all the way. So, like, if he wanted to try to run that possession-heavy system. Uh, I feel like he didn't call in like, I feel like there are players that would in that system that are going to fit way better in our, in this new look. If this does end up being the new look Uh, and he just, it would have been fun to see his possession ideas with like true possession personnel, but he never really in my mind called up a true possession roster. Yeah. We don't need to, we don't need to rehash all that. Yeah, we don't need to, let's not.
0: Um, so, Let's talk about well one more one more thing. I, I, th- I think you wanted to say something about b- what Berhalter's comments about Gio Reyna uh, indicate about his plans.
1: So I'm, this I'm is how I in that. yeah this is how I sort of justify putting Reyna in as as my sort of projected if not starter. Like maybe he won't start the very next game we have, but it. I think Berhalter is hinting that Reyna will be uh, in our eleven, and that's and that's by his talk about Reyna's development. He's talking about how can the U S help Reina? And he starts talking about what the U S can do is start putting him in meaningful games like right away. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, that's his way of of sort of preparing for people for the fact that a guy who hasn't played for the U S at all and hasn't even started a game for Dortmund will, will end up being a starter for us. And he's done enough to have sort of warranted that. Yeah.
0: He did. I mean, just before Scott Jorick turns us over the flaming spit, the, um, Rana did start a couple of games towards the end of the season. Ah, uh, did he? Yeah. Okay. I mean, after the league was already decided. Okay. So, um, all right, let's talk about the depth chart. Start with defenders.
1: Who, so in this, let's, are we going
0: to do fullbacks first? Yeah, let's start with left back, the most important position.
1: So I Burhalter addressed this position specifically uh, and, you know, said that Serginho Dest could do this job. It's not ideal cuz he'd rather have a left-footed left back. Uh, but he is definitely hes now on record saying Dest can do the left back job uh, as a player who advances into attack. Obviously you're not going to play Serginho Dest as a stay at home left back. No.
0: So would would you say, you know, if you were if you were managing this team and this was your system, I think we so we kind of have to talk about left back and right back at the same time here, right?
1: Yeah, uh, let's do it. Let's pair w- w- who would be your starting left back um i would i i wouldn't have one right now i would i would uh, i would have a list of of pairings that i would want to explore and one of those pairings would be Dest at left back and either Cannon or Yedlin or Timmy Chandler at right back I'm not putting Shaq Moore in there yet but i'm not i wouldn't be opposed to Shaq Moore either okay yeah <laughs> the other so i know that, i know that's cheating, other pair- but the
0: other pairing would be Dest on the right side and Robinson on the left side.
1: Yep. I want to see what Anthony Robinson can do. Um, the, for me, he fits this in, in the only way that he wouldn't fit it is if his defending is either just completely not up to par. Though again, I don't know that, I don't know that Dest defending is, uh, I don't know that he's a lockdown defender. We haven't seen him as being a lockdown defender. He's a we boge- don't really- he's a bogey defender. We don't defender. really have anybody who I would describe as a lockdown defender to put it left back. Tim Ream is certainly not a lockdown <sighs> right. guy on the left flank. He's had some good performances, but it, I don't think in any way'd say, all right, we are totally safe. We've got Tim Ream out there. No one's getting through on that side. right. Yeah. So that's an argument for like giving Robinson a try.
0: Don't let the don't let him getting torched by Brazil and Colombia back in the fall of 2018
1: affect you too much. Right. And his, his he's played 70 minutes for Greg Berhalter in a, in sort of a, the Gold Cup tune-up game where a bunch of guys got the run out and none of them got put on the final Gold Cup roster. Uh, and he didn't look very good, but he was playing in like a 3-5-2. I think Christian Roldan after the game said they'd only worked on it for like two days. Uh, he looked completely lost. Uh, I will definitely say that. Um, but we also have a decent record of Anthony Robinson from 2018 where he was a very effective attacking left fullback for us. Yeah. So, so for me, I think that's more than enough to warrant, you know, again, he's put in another full season in the championship, uh, after he, after coming back from his heart irregularity, uh, where he's for sure gotta be somebody that we look at as a starting left back for our, for our side. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm totally happy with that, with taking a look at him and, um, I guess I don't have a strong feeling on whether it should be Dust on the right, Robinson on the left, or Cannon on the right, Dust on the left. I I think
1: I'd be kind of happy with either one. Uh, I'd be comfortable with any with any of those options for the next for the next game, even if the next game were a, a World Cup qualifier. I think I'd be as comfortable with that as I would be with some of the what I would call sort of Burhalter's safe choices, which again for me aren't necessarily that safe. I I'd be, I, I don't need to see Daniel Lovitz. Uh, his name on the twenty-three, or certainly not in the eleven.
0: Yeah, he's. He, I don't think Daniel Lovitz will be back in the national team. You know, barring a catastrophe of injuries. So, so Robinson, I, I should mention Robinson does seem to have improved as a defender as well. Is is that your sense from watching the clips? Like he's, uh, he's gotten more solid.
1: I than... honestly couldn't tell you. No, I'm not sure. Uh, I. I don't see usually in those comps. I'm not seeing him defend that much. Yeah, uh, they're usually of him moving forward with the ball. Well,
0: I'll jump. I'll jump into y Scout every now and then and do the like you know the all involvements clips or the um or the duels, which are the way kind of the ways to check up on somebody's defense. They're not perfect ways to do that, but the only perfect way is to watch the game. The only perfect way is to be in the stands at the stadium listening <laughs> to the person talk and watching them play. But um. But yeah, I, uh, my sense is he is he it's something he's really worked on and he has he has gotten better at it at defending.
1: That's I'll my, take your that's word for take. it. I think it would it'd be a good project to to try to pick out some cl- some video from a year ago when when he was deemed not good enough either defensively or offensively for the national team uh and if he if he's called up in the next window to see what he's doing differently. Yeah. I'll leave that to my, John. My Moore. volunteering for the project. Yes. <laughs> Can we get we get dummy I mean, run on it. Um, so
0: there's another name here we haven't mentioned at left back.
1: Quite a, quite a few in yeah. the pipeline, but go on. Well, oh, I'm curious who yours Sam Bynes,
0: is. Sam Vines. Sam Vines. Yeah, there you go. He's been playing reasonably well for Colorado. He was, like we said earlier, he was the left back uh, for the U.S. against Costa Rica when we saw this template uh, floated by Berhalter. What's your take on Vines?
1: So my take is, if you're talking about players who could conceivably do a a job for us at that position, it's not a bad place to say, well, Sam Vines just did a job for us at that position, so he immediately becomes someone that you can talk about uh, as trying out again. Yeah. Sounds like it sounds like an October uh, window will exist that is not going to be a qualifying window, so that might be a situation where Vines is in the in the 23. If if you
0: haven't watched much vines, he's he's a he's a good athlete, pace and power, not power really, but pace, and uh, and kind of a scrappy defender. He's okay on the ball. He's not he he's not like the aspirational version of a left back that I think a lot of us have in mind, yet, but he's but he's okay. He's solid and he can pump across in, and he covers a lot of ground. That's my summary
1: of him. So I still have a lot more uh, desire to see an Anthony Robinson, and it's mostly based on what we've seen him do for Wigan and what we've seen him do even in a U.S. shirt. Uh, You know, if I think, who do I want running beside Christian Pulisic uh, and giving Christian Pulisic options and and threatening player defenses so they can't entirely concentrate on Christian Pulisic, it would still be Anthony Robinson for me. Yeah, yeah
0: and and Robinson let's be honest would be better than Dest on that left side just because of the you know the left-sided
1: orientation of the position. Right. And and Robinson is actually very good at whipping in a left-footed ball.
0: And Dest if he were over there on the left would be tempted to to come in on his right foot just the way Pulisic does. Pulisic wants to. Yep. Yeah. So there'd be some stepping on each other's toes there. Um all right,
1: those are the fullbacks. Do you want to talk about sort of who else is in the in in the view of a of a left back spot?
0: Yeah, I think Chris Gloucester is, you know, is a guy we've talked about on this podcast and um and even interviewed and I think he's he's a very steady defender and a and a clean and clean in possession. Um so, you know, he's one to keep an eye on. And I think for like the asp the aspirational version of a left back, the, you know, the the sort of left-sided Destian uh, model it's it's uh, there's two possibilities two young guys who are way out from this Kobe Hernandez Foster who apparently just signed with Wolfsburg and is going to play with their U19s just an incredibly uh, sweet left foot and really 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 good in possession it remains to be seen whether he can defend you know Bundesliga attackers it remains to be seen by a long shot so but but I think, you know, if we want somebody on that left side who can really complement uh, Pulisic and is an elegant attacking left fullback, Kobe Hernandez Foster is kind of a possibility. Another one is, uh, and I, he came up through the LA Galaxy system. The, another one is Jonathan Gomez, who came up through the FC Dallas system, but signed with uh, Louisville City FC in USL earlier this year. He made his he made like a ten minute cameo last week. Hopefully he'll get to he'll get to play this weekend. We'll get to see some real footage of him. But he's uh, you know similar to Hernandez Foster in that he's he's very good in possession. He can score goals. He has a, a sweet left foot. And um, I'm those are two players I'm really going to be paying attention to over the next couple of years because they they fill a need. They
1: fill a sort of a profile that we need at that position. So if they can if they can keep checking quite a few boxes. Uh their profile stands out as something that can really help us at left back. Right.
0: They have, I mean, I've learned that to, to like, we don't know, like Susayeta said this on Twitter today. We don't know anything about youth prospects. Like (laughs) I'm, I've been wrong so much that I don't even like, I don't even want to say anything. I'm just saying they have the the, the profile that would, I think, work well in this system.
1: All right. And in the case of uh, Kobe, like that could, that could happen very quickly in the sense that, you know, he's at Wolfsburg's U19s, which is where Ulianas just spent a season and Giannis came in and looked like one of the better players for U S squad, one of the better players on the field yeah. uh, in our U S friendly against Costa Rican grown men. So, you know, it's, it's possible Kobe could be already at a pretty good level. We don't, we don't know. We yeah. have to see him against, uh, Either next side by side with some of our guys already, so in an Olympic camp or something, where you could you could look at him next to a Sam Bynes and a Chris Gluster, Uh or or if he's or if he somehow breaks through quickly at Wolfsburg.
0: Yeah, and the last I mean the last thing I'll say about him is the last soccer competitive soccer he played was the 2019 U17 World Cup, so he's still very young, right? It's a 2002, and he was playing center back. For uh, Rafael Vicky's team in that tournament, which was you know not a successful tournament for any of those players, but he was playing center back for that team. He's 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 like five 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 six. He's not a tall guy, so it didn't make any much sense for it doesn't make much sense for him to play center back in the future. He's a left back. That's where he projects. But we haven't really gotten to see him play left back since his you know since like the GA Cup with the Galaxy U17s or something like that.
1: Right, because then he just sat in limbo waiting to turn 18 so he could sign in yeah. Germany. Yeah. A lot of, like
0: you said, a lot of boxes to be checked, pages of boxes to be
1: checked. But my favorite thing, though, is that he's sitting right next to one of those boxes to check because he's at Wolfsburg. So it's at least possible that, you know, he could check. I feel like with, with uh, Jonathan Gomez, he's going to have, he's not even close to a box to check at the moment because I just don't think, no matter how well he plays for Louisville City, that there exists a Louisville City box that he could check. (laughs) Right. How's that? <laughs> he needs
0: to. You're saying he needs to move from Louisville City to a better club to before yeah. he's like a a, actually a national team possibility. To, yeah, to a
1: club with more boxes that he needs to check. <laughs> wow, well, I'm really lost on this box checking. Stuff. <laughs> well, center backs. Center backs. Yeah, center backs. Center backs. Um, can we can we pair these together too? I mean, we can split them in the in the. No, pair them together. Jar. Go All for right. it. So. Uh, so we're looking at probably carrying four center backs, and the center back role in in this system that Berhalter was running was very traditional. Uh, and we have John Brooks, who is nailed on as our left center back, assuming he's healthy, and then we have any number of, of other guys who could fill in at right center back or be John Brooks's backup at left center back. Uh, it seems at the moment like Tim Ream is sort of the favorite for Brooks' backup because Ream is also left-footed and is a good passer of the ball like John Brooks is. Yep,
0: and has played, you know, fairly well for the U.S. over the last 12 months, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of need, want to lower the bar. Uh, is that how you'd phrase it? For a lot of the guys that we talk about playing really well, like he's been unremarkable for me, yeah. Uh, which doesn't mean he's been bad, but I feel like we our, our last year was was sort of so tepid that and I'd actually kind of include Reggie Cannon in this too that just simply not doing really poorly has kind of like elevated your status a lot. Yeah. And that's I think fair. that's the case with Tim Re. I don't think it, it would take a ton for somebody to necessarily leapfrog him.
0: Yeah. So the other so the other center backs would be Aaron Long. The, the, the this list of sort of whoever who could who could be the <laughs> the next, you know, the the right center back would be Long. Aaron Long,
1: Matt Miazga, Miles Robinson, Cameron Carter-Vickers just oh, kept a team up in the championship, and I'm sure he'll be he'll be picked up by another championship team uh, in a couple of weeks to try to do it again. Whoever just got promoted from League One, <laughs> uh, Walker Zimmerman, you know, played that right center back role in the in the in the friendly against Costa Rica. Uh, you've got Eric Palmer Brown coming off a, a solid another 2,000 minute season in the Austrian uh, Bundesliga. Yep. And then you've got sort of the MLS, uh, some of the MLS guys, Justin Glad, Mark McKenzie, maybe James Sands. Uh, and then you've got, you know, first team Bayern Munich player, Chris Richards. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just a big mix of like somebody got to step up, you know. Somebody's got to separate themselves. Because I think at this moment, Long is the starter, for Burhalter at least,
1: right? For Berhalter, he is, and it's it's definitely a case of like in my mind the the status he's gotten for the national team has has sort of upped everyone's opinion of him because he hasn't he hasn't been outstanding. He didn't have an outstanding year in MLS last year. No, Uh, he had a he had an excellent 2018, but again Miles Robinson was an MLS All Eleven defender last year, and I think that means he now has the same number of MLS All Eleven seasons as as Aaron Long. Things
0: change, so maybe it's so maybe Miles uh, overcomes Long. I mean, Miles is playing for that dumpster fire known as uh, Atlanta United, so that doesn't help. Him. But neither 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 player's team is doing well in the right. MLS's back tournament. But uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything? There's not really that much change in what is asked from no. these guys as nope. a result. so of, yeah.
1: so you can still just sort of throw darts at your non John Brooks center backs now uh there's a chance chris richards could could be moving to a a team that would have a lot of different boxes that he could check yeah Uh, and and so that's going to be one that everyone's going to be paying pretty close attention to
0: what's the latest what's the latest on his transfer situation
1: i i literally never talk about transfer rumor targets or names it's like talking excuse me (laughs) His, his latest transfer rumors are every team in the bundesliga and several in the premier league yeah
0: I thought there was a Union Berlin rumor that was sort of bubbling up, but whatever. Let's move <laughs> on to midfielders. Let's move on to midfielders.
1: Yeah, this uh, is where it gets kind of fun for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like this is where we're, we're going to get a lot of good stuff.
0: Well, yeah, so when your wingers are tucking in and encroaching on zone 14 from either side, that means your midfielders are more of the box-to-box variety like we talked about earlier. Uh, and then, of course, there's the number six. So at the number six... Who do we got?
1: So I don't, I don't necessarily love this, but it seems like what Burhalter is going with, and it's going to be his his sort of deep lying ball spraying distributing number six. And for that role for Greg Burhalter, it wouldn't surprise me if Jackson Ewell is now at the top of the list. Yeah.
0: Well, what? Why wouldn't it surprise you? Just because of how uh, well he played in the fall, or?
1: Yeah, he did well. I mean, he played the Canada game that we won uh, in that role, which. Michael Bradley played in the Canada game that we lost in a similar role. Uh, I know there were a lot of variables. I know there were a lot of variables that changed from that game, from leg no, one to leg one. two. Just one variable. <laughs> that and, you know, Paul Areola was the upgrade over Christian Pulisic in game two. <laughs> right. So uh, I think, I think what will be that, what will sort of give you all the edge is I think Berhalter will feel more comfortable with a, High energy midfield ahead of Jackson Ewell than he would ahead of Michael Bradley. I think I think Ewell offers a more defensive mobility, so he won't be quite as exposed when a Tyler Adams takes off to go press a ball. Ewell will be able to follow a little bit closer behind uh, than I think maybe Michael Bradley would. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So is I mean it's too it's too soon to say Bradley is uh, is out of the
1: running though right I mean he's probably number two on the team sheet. That that'd be my guess, and I definitely am very curious to see how it shakes out. Uh, I, I think Bradley will definitely be called up, uh, and and so that'd be my guess is that Bradley's number two in that list. And there aren't there aren't really anybody any other candidates in my mind. I know Will Trapp has been in every camp, Greg Berhalter's run, but uh, his playing time has dropped to almost nothing over the last six or seven games. Yeah, and, and it just doesn't seem like. Halter really plans on actually using him in matches. Yeah.
0: I mean another another possibility is Chris Durkin, who is uh, I guess not didn't finish out the season in Belgium
1: because nobody did. Um, Christian Capy's at yeah, Capus yeah. is at uh now relegated Hobro. We'll see if he moves. Uh I, I listed Frankie Amaya because he's been sitting in sort of a deeper center midfielder lately, but, but again, these are all just really like a lot, a lot of wait and see for, for how they play. And I don't really have expectations that any of them will be. Sebastian Berhalter, Sebastian (laughs) Berhalter. (laughs) There you go. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's a lot of young players in that system. I mean, in that position, because, you know, it turns out we have youth national teams at various age groups who all play a very somewhat similar system. Um, You know, spec another, a couple more speculative names, that fit that role are uh taylor booth uh byron u19 player who made his byron 2 debut this last uh this last spring and uh and then you know I, people are gonna think this is crazy but i think alex mendez fits that job pretty well if he can check a few more boxes for young ajax and you know work <laughs> his way into that first team yeah uh, it's not just first team minutes I'm not a first team minutes truther,
1: but but he, he you probably do think he needs to work his way into the young Ajax first team a little bit, just so we can actually see him play, right?
0: Well, that I was I was talking about getting into the Ajax first, team. right? So you know, I'm just this is speculative, but he's a player who can move the ball around and uh, and play passes between the lines in a very li- very pleasant way.
1: I like that you put him here because I feel like he he gets usually talked about as as like a number ten, where uh, it might just be because he's a Latino soccer player because he doesn't really, I, I I kind of agree. I think he's more of like that uh, sort of fine space underneath the, the, the log jams yeah. and spray the ball around.
0: Yeah. Like have him put, put on a few pounds of muscle, a little, add a little defensive mobility and have him be the one picking the ball up between the center backs and finding a pass. Not an idea that I hate that much,
1: but it still seems pretty far off.
0: It's very far off. Yes.
1: Okay. All right. So that's kind of the boring
0: one, right? Yeah, because cause, cause to make a long story short, it's Ewell and Bradley,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, and, and there's still a very open question about whether uh, either of those players can can do the sort of defensive job that is going to be required uh, come qualifying.
0: Because would you, would you put Adams at the six?
1: I probably would, yes. Uh, and it might, maybe it would function a little differently, but I would still probably use him there. No, you know, I, I kind of take that back, uh, in, in this current, in the setup that we're talking about. No, I wouldn't. Cause I think he sits a little bit too far, uh, back for counterpressing the way Tyler Adams should counterpress. Tyler Adams doesn't drop between the center backs, uh, for Red Bull Leipzig. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's not where you're getting the most out of Tyler Adams yeah. because when you lose the ball, you don't want him that deep. Yeah.
0: What if, it's, what if you have Pomacall and McKenney counter-pressing in front of Adams and Adams is just sort of like directing traffic?
1: I'd probably rather have, I've, I've talked about it before, I wish Pomacall would become a, a number six so that he could back up or his, so that he could like sit deeper and do something. I don't know. I mean, okay. it's one of those things where it's like, oh no, our, our number six is now too mobile. We're wasting his, <laughs> we're wasting how much pressing he can do. But when you ha- when you have a load of those players in your pool, it's not the worst thing if one of them ends up being in that role well I want to go on the record and say I think Adams should be the six
0: I know it doesn't fit perfectly with that or with you know with Berhalter's idea of distri- distribution from that spot but Adams would be my six but th- but we're sort of talking about what we think Berhalter would want to some in extent. this
1: shape yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so, who fits best in what spaces
0: so who are the two let's talk about all the eights all together here
1: all right Adams and McKenny are, are the two to start and I think Berhalter name check them both uh as being as being those players, so that's to me seems pretty cut and dried that that's what we're gonna see yeah
0: and i I'm not gonna lie I'm excited to see that even with Ewell behind them I think it' would be really really fun
1: yeah I'm not complaining either I, I i imagine that defensively uh it'll kind of turn into like a four five one with Adams and Ewell on the line in the center midfield and McKenney kind of ahead of them uh so, I mean, just to kind of guess what the defensive shape rotation might be.
0: So it'd be like a four-two-three-one in defense. Yeah,
1: actually. thereabouts, thereabouts. I mean, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll call, I'm going to keep calling it a 4-5-1 because I'm not entirely sure uh, what what it'll be. But because because again, you could you could get pretty flexible with McKenney charging out of that midfield to press someone, or Adams if the ball switches quickly. Adams can charge out of there to press someone, and. They're both so, so capable of doing that.
0: So who would be the first guys off the bench behind Adams and McKenney? Because, you know, there's no chance that both of them are going to be healthy at the same time.
1: <laughs> well, this is where it gets back to, I don't have, I don't think it's even possible to have a strong conclusion about who that should be. Because, like, the first three guys on my list as backups uh, have very little uh, national team minutes under Greg Berhalter. and that'd be for me, it's LeJet, Holmes and Pomacall right now as, that fit that mold really well. and
0: I mean LeJet has plenty of minutes for the national team, right?
1: I mean he, I, he should have a lot more. Uh, he's he's racked up some, but he's been he was used sparsely uh, by Berhalter. even when he got called into all these camps, he just wasn't the guy that was that was used and and I think that goes back in a big way to uh, how we were sort of incorrectly using our pool, even when, we had, when, when we, even when we had the right guys in camp.
0: Maybe Leggett is just too good looking for Berhalter. <laughs> it's
1: Berhalter, intimidating. It's intimidating. he's
0: balding and can't can't handle it. I can't stand him. Yeah, but I mean, Legette, I guess I remember Leggett being so good in that four-one uh, win over Canada, and that being a big part of why we won that game. I can't remember. Did he play in the loss against Canada?
1: No, he did not. He did not come off the bench. Uh, Roldan started with McKenney and uh, Ariola came in for Pulisic. Like, th- that that game, for me, cemented how sort of poorly we were using our resources because uh, LeJet has done so well in every game he's played. Uh, and he was very good in the Costa Rica-friendly. Like, he was super involved when you look at his touch, map versus Aronson's. Um, it feels like maybe the reason we went so much uh, so hard down the left side was because of legit's work and ability to get on the ball versus Aronson not being quite as up to it on the right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I do agree with you that Leggett, Holmes, and Pomacall are the, the first three names off the bench there,
1: but we're full of these guys, right? <laughs> we have so many, so many players who fit this mold and, yeah. and we've been, we've been hammering on this forever of, we need to be. This is why we need to be using our center midfielders like this. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's very gratifying. Uh, why did it take so long to get here? Well, I, I mean, we're pretending like it's already here. We don't know for we sure. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we. The way we were doing it before was forcing these guys to be tens in possession, and then you know having a six who was not defensive not primarily a defensive player in like in the selection it's very strange the whole thing is very strange in retrospect
1: yeah we put them in their like very uncomfortable positions offensively and then we didn't get anything out of them defensively because we sat in such a low passive 4-4-2 yikes it's okay so let's, on it let's keep yeah let's keep naming the other guys who can because now when we have injuries it won't be great but it won't be such a it won't I don't think the drop off will be quite so bad because we have a lot of guys who can plug into this yeah. uh style and play.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's uh Alfredo Morales, you know, who acquitted himself with respectably in that loss to Mexico. Uh you got Tanner Tessman here,
1: I guess. I think I mean that's just a fun one for for like uh if he's this type of player. I have no idea if he's gonna yeah. be able to like play at, at the level that we would need. Uh, but but he's one who, who we're kind of having fun with because he showed up in two games for FC Dallas and, and looked good. Was it three games before everything got shut down?
0: Two or three, yeah.
1: All right. Uh, Brendan Aronson uh, is this kind of player. And again, mm-hmm. no idea if he's going to uh, be good enough to play at the national team level. But it, all of our prospects are sort of also of this mold is kind of what we're getting at. Yeah.
0: Um, Kellen Acosta, he's still out there, huh?
1: So I put him in here because uh, cause I want to really also hammer home that we have completely shifted our our midfield roles so much that I think you have to start you have to kind of ask like, well, are there guys who didn't fit the 2019 version of what Berhalter wanted who should come back into the picture uh, because it would make sense for new guys to to be uh, considered if what you're asking is so drastically different than what you were asking in 2019 yeah so what about Marky Delgado? Same thing, I feel like he, I mean I don't I don't know if he, if he's going to again, we have a lot of names on here already that I would rather see, uh, but it's just you know, Acosta Delgado, Julian Green, like are these guys who honestly Julian Green probably would have fit better in that 810 hybrid than yeah. he would in, in this one, but maybe the whole uh, system was built for him. <laughs> but I just I just feel like it it opens the door. For a lot of guys who who might warrant like new consideration, yeah,
0: you know one one player that I like to talk about who doesn't really fit this role that well is Richie Ledesma. Like he in the the previous setup where right, you have to set up as a ten in in zone fourteen in this position, Ledesma Ledesma makes sense, but he doesn't make sense as much as like a high energy counter
1: pressing box to box eight. No, not at all. Uh, he basically, I mean, a lot in the early stages of the buildup, you're just playing directly in front of the center backs. Uh, and I don't think that's Ledesma's bread and butter, if I can be honest. Yeah. Wait, what's not uh, his bread and butter? Playing like he's playing directly in front of his own center backs. So, like, you got John Brooks, and then 15 yards ahead of him, you have Richie Ledesma. Like, I don't think that really makes sense for as a way to use Richie Ledesma. Yeah.
0: I mean, I could see him uh taking the ball playing on the half turn and, and breaking open a defense that way. But but yeah, more or less agree. So should we should we move to the forwards?
1: Yeah, sort of the front three. Yeah.
0: Now uh I think there won't be much debate. Our left wing, our starting left wing is
1: gonna be Christian Pulisic. I'm very excited to see this. I feel like we managed to sort of neutralized Christian Pulisic on her own uh, for much of last year. Yeah. And I'm I'm hopeful that this kind of sort of uh, setup would, would sort of really let him loose. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we can dream. We can dream about it. <laughs> Their first game won't be till, what, November? Is the October window off now? Or is the October window still on? I think
1: Mexico's announced a friendly for October. So I think there's, I think there's going to be games in October. We might not be able to host them in the United States, but, uh, feels like there might be a game or two. Yeah. Okay. October. That's coming right up actually.
0: So also on the left wing, who's your, so who's your first name off the bench at left
1: wing? Uh, so I would actually put Ulianas on here and I, and I get that everyone mocks us for including a guy who doesn't play against grown men. Um, but he's he's very he showed against Costa Rica that he's very good at doing this role. So uh, I think he's a guy that you can you could test out as as seeing if he could do it again. If he can repeat that performance from Costa Rica in another game, uh, and you basically just keep riding that until until you're like, nope, he definitely can't hack it at, at this level, or until somebody else sort of demands uh, that they belong here instead, like uh, Corey Baird, for example. Yeah. But I don't see that happening. I don't want to see that happen.
0: Uh, you know, John, long term, does Jonathan Amon still fit this role? Probably I think so. not. I think so. Well, you think so? He's pretty good at cutting inside. He's pretty good at cutting cutting inside and, uh, you know, hitting a curler or finding a pass. So,
1: so I want to make the distinction here because it's not it's not necessarily yeah. like receiving the ball on the sideline right. and then cutting in with the ball. Like a lot of times, they are setting up. Ulianas was setting up centrally, uh, you Good know. Good point. Good point. And, and and receiving it in that space. So I don't I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of Amon clips where he is like set up to receive the ball in the space of a ten. Uh, you're right. He receives it a lot and does cut in from the left wing because uh, he's very right footed. But I I haven't seen a lot of him. You know, collecting it with somebody on his back centrally. I issue a full retraction. it <laughs> does not fit this system. Uh, but we I have like. seen that. We've seen it from like a, a Bofos Alcedo. Um, and I know like getting, again, getting a guy who's who's definitely box adjacent is Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, when you're at Barcelona, you're box adjacent all the time. Like right. You're always you're always one coaching decision away from instantly being in the U.S. men's national team picture. Uh and he's played central midfield for Barca B, and he's played uh, a lot on the wing. So he's a, he's a guy you can uh, keep track of. I think he's starting right now in their, in their promotional playoff semifinal.
0: Yeah, and if uh, Twitter is to be trusted, having a pretty good game.
1: I think. Oh, all right. I haven't been following it. But he had two goals in, the, in, the, in their last promotional playoff victory, so it uh, shouldn't be that surprising. Yep.
0: And then a uh, speculative possibility here is Richie Ledesma. This job actually fits him quite well. You know he's really good at receiving the ball in that pocket of space and um, come. I think he's a lot going to be a lot better coming in on the from the left channel than he is coming from the right channel because he is awfully right footed.
1: Yep, and, and this hybrid role could also work out well for like a Paxton Pomacall or again, uh, a Brendan Aaronson. I know they've both played on the wing uh, for their clubs. Yep. Pomacall played on the wing for for the, his national team debut. It'd be it'd be easy to see them sort of doing that, yep. making that adjustment. Aronson we have a lot of versatile. We have a lot of versatile players. Yeah, Aronson on the left,
0: most likely, and Pomacall on the right. Right? Because you yeah, want so- you want the stronger foot on the inside.
1: Should we talk about? Should we talk about the
0: right wing then? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who's your Who's your starting right wing? I mean, I, I guess I agree with you. It should be Pulisic and
1: Yanez, You know. Okay. There There aren't a lot of other left wing names that jump out at you in my mind. Yeah, there
0: really aren't. I mean. Bofo is, I think Bofo is like the next one and then it's a big drop off.
1: I guess, I guess we didn't, Jonathan Lewis's name hasn't come up yet. He's scoring goals. Yeah, no thanks. Okay.
0: What, what about, what about, um,
1: Ariola? Where does Ariola fit? He's got to be on the right side. I think he'd be on the right side here. I guess, I guess not necessarily. I think he could probably do either job. I just happen to have him listed on the right. He played on the left wing a lot in the gold cup where he was, he was, he and Pulisic were interchanging uh he played on the right side in the Costa Rica friendly. I think he really is just a stopgap. Uh not not meant in a disrespectful way. I just think it's like, "Oh, we can always plug Ariola there." He's yep. he's competent.
0: What about Morris? I mean, Morris plays on the left wing for Seattle some.
1: Um he played on the left wing in the Canada victory with Ariola on the right side. Mm-hmm. Why can't why can he not be on the left wing? So my main reason that he can't be on the left wing is because Christian Pulisic is on the left wing. Yeah. Uh, Morris might, maybe Morris would be Pulisic's backup, but I feel like people are gonna want Morris to be just talked about as a starter. <laughs> and so, and so I put him on the right side, as like a possible starter over Giovanni Reina. Yeah. Is is I think how it just shook out.
0: The thing is about Morris is even though he's in incredibly good form and he he's it's hard to criticize his game right now, he does not fit this system very well,
1: right? I don't I don't think so. Uh, I don't same thing we just talked about with Amon. I don't think Morris wants to in like a in like a build up situation come central and like receive the ball in traffic with somebody on his back.
0: No, where it's he's going like to turn
1: turn either direction. I think he wants to receive the ball with like. His, his butt facing the sideline and his whole body open to the field where he can see everybody and use like his explosive speed to, you know, bulldoze past people. Yeah. So I think he, I think he'll get a look. I think he'll get plenty of looks. He might even again in that October, if we play a game in October uh, and U S players can get to the game, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Jordan Morris get the start and sort of have it be based on uh what he has done recently for the national team and what he's continuously been doing for Seattle, um, and then it wouldn't surprise me if when Gio Reyna comes in, he just looks like a better fit if those are the jobs they're trying to do. Right.
0: So, Re- so yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good to me. Raina's the Raina's the starter at
1: the right wing, in your in your opinion, right? I th- I think he will be a better fit and be more effective in that role than Jordan Morris would be.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the role he kind of plays for Dortmund too, right? I mean he may be even deeper in the field, further back in the field is where he is for Dortmund, but he's he's very comfortable in the middle of the field receiving the ball and you know navigating that space with the ball.
1: Oh yeah, I think he'll I think he'll stand out as our most comfortable player receiving the ball since Darlington Nagby doesn't appear to be coming back.
0: <laughs> we forgot to mention Nagby in the midfield discussion. If he did come back by some miracle, real quick,
1: <laughs> would he would he be do you think he could be one of the eights or more of a six? I think he'd have to be one of the eights just because again, I don't think he would drop back between the center backs. I don't think that's what we would want him to do. We want him He's to be older. one of the guys receiving it in traffic. Yeah. No, I, I I don't think he it's a it'd be a perfect fit for him, but I think one of the eights would be Nagby's job. Okay.
0: Back to right wing, because there's more okay. exciting there's more exciting names to talk about here. Uh, he just come back from a another hamstring injury that Jordan Dunathan Nathan on, t- on Twitter put out a, a comp of him from, in his performance against Ecuador. I'm, I'm talking about Tim Weah and I, for, I'd forgotten how good he was in that game. And um, I've, maybe I've been severely underrating Tim Weah.
1: Everyone's underrating school. Tim Weah. He's I think so, I, I just think of when I, when I was doing a lot of like player comps in 2018 from, from national team games, like, no matter who I was doing the comp of, if Tim Weah was included in the video, like, he was doing the most impressive thing. Mm. Uh, he was just he was just always so smooth on the ball. I've, I've seen people, like, say he's unproven at the national team level, which is true uh, for the most part. Um, but so is almost everyone else in the national team pool. Uh, but I've also seen people saying that he's too raw. And for me, like, that's the, like, Tim Weah looks about as polished uh, as any national team player Uh Outside of like Pulisic and maybe Gio Reyna, like he looks, he's just always so clean. He'd be good in that
0: uh, in that tucked in role too, right? Don't you think? I mean, he can. I think he can run in behind that. Like he's good at that too. But he's pretty comfortable receiving the ball in traffic.
1: Very, very much so. He uh, he's he's played hybrid positions like that in the past. When he was with Celtic, uh, there were a lot of games where he'd come in off the bench as the central attacker in a four-two-three-one um so and he just he looks right at home he's again he's just so good at reading space um collecting a ball and then uh making a good decision with his next with his next action so i li- I like him as the right wing and i feel like we could get to a situation where i, I mean i don't know in this setup he'd probably i don't think you could have Poolsick and reyna and tim Wea all in at the same time unless you move one of them to a to the striker yeah which isn't isn't doesn't seem that crazy of a proposition to be honest. For Wea,
0: yeah, yeah, he could play. I feel like Wea could play. He could play a more conventional, very wide winger, like with his with his feet on the touchline, or he could play this tucked in winger, or he could play as a nine. I mean, there's been debates about this on
1: on the internet for for months, but. But yeah, if you think of what the job Jesus Ferreira did in that friendly, like I don't, I don't, I think Tim Wea could could easily do the same kind of thing. Yep. Excited to see him back. Uh, who else we got at right wing? So we've got Paul Ariola, obviously, uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, and and those are guys We don't. Really I would call talk about. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I would call them sort of established in Berhalter's mind. like um, they they're sort of where the floor is. You have to be able to beat those guys out. Uh, not necessarily to be in the top four because they might be left behind in the top four discussion. Um, but to, to be in the picture, I think you got to beat those guys out and, and the guy I'm going to sort of keep just reminding people that he exists, uh, is Kenny Seff, And it's because he's, uh, an extremely left footed winger who would fit really well to throw him on the right, to be that sort of inverted winger. And he's extremely clean and he can definitely do a hybrid 10 winger role. Yeah.
0: The job does seem
1: uh, like a good fit for him. Right. If he's going to have success with the national team, this would be the setup for him to have success with.
0: I don't know if he can if he can come back after you undressed him after that defensive performance way back when.
1: Oh, he'd be good. Berhalter. If there's one thing I trust Berhalter to do is to set up a super organized defense. I don't always like the decision, the tactical decisions for the setup. uh, But man, have we looked organized? Everyone certainly knows what their job is. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's quick do the nines. And then talk about MLS a little bit.
1: All right, so, who you, who you have for your number nine? Pels? I mean,
0: it's Joe. It's going to be Josie Altador uh, as the starter, and then um, I think Zard is probably before Sargent and then Sargent.
1: You know, and is that just is that just what you think Berhalter would do? You think that's what Berhalter's mind is, or is that where you are right now? I'm just Pels? mad
0: at Josh Sargent for not moving better off the ball. All so, right, he's in my doghouse right now.
1: Okay, well, I I'm back to where I would have been in most of 2019, which is to say, uh, in this setup, Jazzy Zardes doesn't really have a place. Uh, you're you're talking about a guy who basically plays like a false nine, uh, and unless Zardes' uh, first touch improvement that we've kind of briefly touched on is is actually the case, uh, there's just no way he. he he can fill this role the way that Altidore or uh, I'm even going to throw in Jesus Ferreira, uh, who again, did an effective job of it in the friendly. Like Zardes just doesn't have the skill set to play that job.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. I,
0: I guess I don't know. I mean, his, his first touch is, does look like it's gotten a little better and like how crucial is it For him to be able to drop in like that when you have two tucked in wingers or is he just making runs making runs in behind
1: no i don't think i don't if again if costa rica is a template uh it's definitely not just making runs in behind it's a ton of coming like all the way back uh sometimes even close to the line of like your two center mids who are now you know more traditional center mids and making a, a triangle with them uh and allowing the the wingers to run in behind so uh it's huge and and I still think even even with what we've touched on for Zardes improved first touch uh, You could you could just as easily throw a couple of clips together that are like Zardes doing his sort of accidental first touch that yeah. goes to a teammate uh, So no, he's not there yet in a way that in a way that would like facilitate this system um, He might be one of Berhalter's favorites and Berhalter just trusts him so much that he trots him out there anyway uh, but in this setup, Zardes is not going to help us to to create chances. He might he might do a great job of finishing chances that we create, uh, but he's not going to help us in the buildup.
0: Okay, fair enough. I, I agree with you. So Altador Sargent, Ferreira, I guess, because even though Ayo a- Akinola has had a exciting MLS's back tournament, he is not that guy either. Um, Ricardo Pepe
1: is the sort of aspirational version of this job. And then, and then again, Tim Weha might be a guy who, who could find a way into this position.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, the funny thing about soccer is we, we, we're going to, you know, brother's going to go into it saying we need a striker who can come back and, you know, do the buildup, help with the build up, And, and then we're going to go out in World Cup qualifying and we're going to score all our goal, goals in transition. You know,
1: it's gonna... <laughs> Everything's coming off set pieces. Yeah. Aaron, set pieces in transition.
0: going to lead the team in scoring. It's going to come off of like Tyler Adams winning the ball off of somebody. It finds its way to
1: pull six feet and then
0: he skins somebody and scores a
1: goal. I mean, like. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we did against Canada to win 4-1. Yeah. I just think that this, this setup really like there are obvious candidates for every position again except left back. Obvious, like talented players everywhere put in positions to succeed. I'm excited to see this. If we go this route,
0: I like it a lot. It's uh, it's the system is exciting to me. I think it does fit. It does fit the player pool much better than what we were doing a year ago at this time. So Godspeed. Any, any other thoughts, Greg?
1: That's I'm I'm good with that, man. I'll see you on the other side of some of these uh, weekend soccer games.
0: Yeah. We'll try to talk about MLS is back when we uh, get into the studio next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Greg. We'll see you.